0: Up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, here for a Monday morning sports update. I'm taping this one at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, Sunday evening, January 31st, 2021. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be February 1st, which means it's my half-birthday. Pretty crazy that it's already been six months since I turned 26, but I guess uh, Smashmouth was right. The years start coming and they really don't stop coming. I guess we have plenty to get into today, and this is a solo show, by the way. We had a couple of big trades happen over the last over this weekend, which were very interesting. We'll talk about those. We have some speculation with Deshaun Watson. What's going on, and will he be traded? But well, we will discuss that. The Cubs' ownership, the Ricketts family, is under fire. We'll discuss that and another check-in from the world of college basketball. Before I get into all of that, I just want to say, hey, if you like this show, make sure you hit subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast. It will do a lot of good for this podcast. I know a lot of people have been wondering, like, hey, what can I do? People have asked if they could support me financially, which... You can. There is a PayPal button on the homepage of jackvita.com. The main thing I'm noticing right now is in order for this thing to grow, in order for it to be a success, I really need to expand this core group that we have. There's a core group of people who listen to this show, and I greatly value all of them. We need to slowly start expanding that, make, make it a little bigger. So You can uh, share this podcast with your friends. Just give them a word of mouth recommendation. Send it over to them. Share it on your social media. Leave a review and subscribe. Also, you can subscribe and get email notifications on my site. All that stuff does a lot of good. And we have a very fun live stream coming up on Wednesday evening. The final live stream of the NFL playoffs, but people are enjoying the live stream, so I'm certainly going to be incorporating the live streams into the future podcasts. I don't know how many of my audio podcasts will also be video and also go live, but I definitely want to at least maybe do half. We'll see as we've been doing. It's been a good experience. It's been a lot of fun. People have been enjoying it. It's fun to connect with people, and we also had 950 people tune into the last one. So I'm catching it on demand on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Don't miss our final one of the NFL playoffs as we preview Super Bowl Sunday. And that will come on Wednesday evening. Time, the exact time is TBD, but sometime around 6.30 or 7 p.m. Central Time. I'll include more information on social media. So uh, subscribe to the show. You won't miss it. Subscribe to YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Vita subscribe on Facebook and Twitter at Jack Vita show on Twitter and instagram facebook.com/ Jack Vita show all right let's get into it so we had a couple of big trades occur over the last 48 hours and <laughs> I'm just waiting there's probably gonna be another one tonight <laughs> uh, probably not but based on the trajectory of how this thing has happened, We knew that there was a lot that was accelerating with Nolan Arenado on Friday. I actually texted Albert Destrade, who has been on this show. He listens to this show. Good friend of the podcast. He's a big Braves fan. I said, what's going to happen? He said, well, they're definitely going to move him. And Albert was really hoping the Braves would get in on that action. And they'd be the team to scoop up Arenado. Surprisingly, here's what the uh, St. Louis Cardinals... And by the way, as I mentioned, we had these trades that occurred and the news broke it was 9 30 both nights so who knows what'll happen tonight at 9 30 but on Friday night we got the Sarnado news this this trade technically could still fall through it hasn't been approved it hasn't been finalized it's a proposed trade and we're gonna find out more details perhaps the Rockies end up getting a little more than we initially anticipated but Per reports from Ken Rosenthal, who does an outstanding job over at the Athletic, the St. Louis Cardinals are sending Austin Gomber, Lucan Baker, John Torres, and maybe, we don't know, he said maybe, they might be including Jake Woodford and Angel Rondon. Gomber, has uh, he's been a guy I've seen around in terms of prospects for a little while, but he's a little older. He's not... I don't. I think he's around age twenty-seven, and he's been up a couple of times. He struggled a little bit when he first got brought up, but uh, he could be he could be a pretty good pitcher. It's hard though when you get pitchers in Colorado. It's really really hard. Above everything, this is a salary dump. The Colorado Rockies, after paying Nolan Arenado this big contract in which he's owed. million annually for the next seven years, unless he does have an opt-out clause. He can choose to opt out after this season or after next season if he thinks that he can get more money on the open market. Times are tough right now, though, for MLB franchises. If you are like the St. Louis Cardinals and you've been saving money and you've been uh, having a little bit of flexibility for the time when a player such as Nolan Arenado or last year, Los Angeles Dodgers, when Mookie Betts became available, they were able to essentially take on that contract. That's that's a good place to be. I think there's a line of logic right now. I know I heard some of this on the Chicago radio. If you have money, go and spend it. Do something with it. I don't subscribe to that. I like saving money. That's kind of how I am in general. I always like to have more money than I need uh, just in case because you never know when uh, when Nolan Nolan Arenado wants to come work for me I got to be able to pay him (laughs) but this is a great get for the St. Louis Cardinals they're picking up probably the best uh, I can't say definitively but most certainly the most likely the best third baseman in baseball Arnado is a stud defensively. He's a great all-around player, offensive and defensive. Good for Nolan Arnauto, too, because he is probably going to go to Cooperstown if he continues on pace that he's on right now. And if he's putting up big numbers in St. Louis, then no one's going to be able to discredit him and say, oh, yeah, that guy uh, just put him up in Colorado. So he heads over to an infield now with Paul Goldschmidt, and Paul DeYoung this is a really great i mean defensively offensively this is a great infield cardinals i mean they're making a statement right here that going for the division whereas you have some of these other teams such as the cubs brewers and reds who are all shedding salary right now pirates just traded joe musgrove i do i wouldn't count out the brewers i think the brewers are always kind of a scrappy team that finds ways to get it together. They're very well managed by Craig Council. But, I mean, this is this is a great sign for Cardinals fans. This is a great pickup for them. And they're going to have Arnato through his age 35 season. So it's not like you're looking at a guy where Harper, Bryce Harper, he's he's going to be paid until around the time he hits age 40 and is 12 years. You're looking at seven years. If Nolan Arnato was on the market right now, no doubt they would sign him for seven years at this rate. They would do it. And other teams would as well for that matter for the Rockies though. I think you have to understand that in this sport, spending money does not automatically mean wins. I, <laughs> I see a lot of this on social media and we'll talk more about the Cubs later on. But one of the things that I keep seeing is, Oh yeah, well you gotta be able, you just have to be able to spend money, be willing to spend money. Well, A lot of teams spend money and they don't win. And if you're in Denver, it's not a huge media market. They don't make... Colorado Rockies don't have the same kind of money that the Cardinals, Cubs, or Dodgers have. They are a team that... hey. And by the way, look back at Alex Rodriguez when he signed that contract to play in Texas. If you were to go statistically what he gave that team year in and year out, you would say, oh my gosh, that's one of the best contracts Never signed in terms of an expensive contract that turns out well for the team. But they, they dumped him too because he was so expensive. And when you spend that much money and you don't have a lot of money, and then you come out of a pandemic where you didn't have any fans this past year, times are tough financially for some people right now. I'm not going to say that it's easy for, a, for billionaires to just shell out money. Uh, It's easy for us to say that for sure, but they also have to pay all the workers in that organization and they need money to, as their budget, to be able to field a team to win a championship. The Rockies, as constructed, were not able to do that with Arnado. So this is a really tough day. I know I have some friends who are Rockies fans. Michaela Perkins and Sam Quiet have both been on this podcast. Neither of them are very happy right now. Perhaps I'll get their opinion and their perspective on the show soon. But I'm sorry, guys. It was, a, <laughs> it was a tough weekend for y'all. Our second trade that occurred this weekend on Saturday night. And I was not expecting. It was uh, that escalated quickly. It certainly escalated quickly. Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions. He's moving to Los Angeles. And hey, if he was if he was 10 years younger... No doubt he and Clayton Kershaw would be roommates (laughs) if this was uh, the late 2000s as they were uh, high school teammates at Highland Park in uh, Dallas, which is a really good sports high school. Matthew Stafford going to the Rams. The Lions obtaining a better package than the Rockies did. They are getting Jared Goff plus the 2022 and 2023 first-round picks that the Rams possess and also their 2021 third round pick. The reason why Goff is included in this trade is because similar to the Arenado thing, you have to be able to move contracts. And Goff is owed a lot of money from the Rams for this next year. But after this next year, after 2021, the money's no longer guaranteed. So for the Lions, this is a really nice addition here because you're picking up a competent NFL quarterback who can start... For most teams in this league, Jared Goff is not a scrub. Jared Goff is not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. Now, Matthew Stafford is certainly an upgrade for the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford, I believe, has it in him to compete for the most valuable player award next season. Yeah, you heard that right. Matthew Stafford is a big-time quarterback who has not gotten enough credit in the, the 12 years that he spent in Detroit. He's going to finally get to compete for a championship now. This is good for the Lions because they're clearly were moving in a different direction than Matthew Stafford was. Matthew Stafford is still in the prime of his career. He's age 32, I believe. So you still have at least three, potentially five or six really good years of Matthew Stafford. And I guess look at how long some of these quarterbacks, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Brady are playing into their 40s. Who knows? But Stafford is an upgrade. Matthew Stafford is a really good quarterback. It's going to be a wild offseason because we could potentially be seeing a lot of these quarterbacks moving around. There are a number of unanswered questions in terms of quarterbacks. There's some interesting guys in the draft. I am curious to see what the Lions do because the Lions could potentially sell Jared Goff to one of these teams that wants to upgrade their quarterback or needs a quarterback, or maybe they just want to kick the tires on Jared Goff for a year. So potentially they move Jared Goff for some picks. Otherwise they use him as a bridge guy and they draft a quarterback this year or next year as a rebuild. I mean, that's pretty lousy for Jared Goff if he's stuck on this bad Detroit team, but I guess he would, if he plays well, he'll get a chance to hit the open market next spring and uh, get paid once again. As for Stafford and the Rams, it's really early. We're going to see what ends up happening in terms of free agency, in terms of trade, but the Rams, this this was their problem. They weren't scoring enough points. This offense is a lot more dynamic now, and maybe I guess you don't have a whole lot of draft picks. The reason why the Lions didn't get their first-round pick this year is because they already traded it for Jalen Ramsey. The Rams have traded quite a bit of draft capital but yeah i mean there's talent on this team they have a good defense stafford is a stud the bucks laid out a blueprint this year where you can bring in a quarterback who's in his at least past age 30 comes in in the first year and takes the team to the uh to the super bowl stafford can do that we'll see what ends up happening but i like the rams quite a bit following this move good pickup for the lions too picking up that draft Getting as many draft picks as you can, always a good thing. They get two first-rounders and a functional NFL starting quarterback. Be interesting to see what ends up happening with both both parties, but I think this is a good start for the Lions in their rebuild. It will be interesting to see what the asking price on Deshaun Watson is now. If Stafford nets you three picks and a starting NFL quarterback, what is it going to take to get Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, as we discussed a couple weeks ago on our live stream, I'm not I'm not that big on this Deshaun Watson trade idea, really for anybody. Deshaun Watson, here's the thing. He's a really good quarterback, he's young, he has torn both of his ACLs and he's very expensive, but I don't buy into this whole idea that houston is such a horrible place to play i keep hearing it it's like oh yeah they're just such a dysfunctional organization of course he's unhappy of course he's frustrated the houston texans made the playoffs they won the afc south for that matter for the last six years they didn't do it this year when they fired their coach and they didn't win it the year that deshaun blew out his knee in 2017 other than that they've been a really good team now I can understand him being frustrated right now. They've moved DeAndre Hopkins. There wasn't a whole lot for him offensively this year. But I don't know. There's part of me that just says, isn't that what being an NFL quarterback is? You're not going to fall into the perfect situation. And I don't understand if he's this unhappy. Why did he sign a long-term extension four months ago? It, it doesn't... There's something weird here. I just don't really know what to make of it all. But, I mean, we see a lot of these NBA stars that just get disenchanted and want to leave a situation very quickly. And I, I don't know. I don't want to see that thing trickle down into the NFL because I don't think this rapid player movement stuff is good for the sport. I don't think it's good for fans because... You get attached to a player and then he leaves and now you're <laughs> you're you're losing fans. It's not good for business. I just don't I wanna find out more information. There's part of me that feels that some of this is just being a little over exaggerated, but then there's another part of me that thinks, how much should he be asking for? You're in the fifth year entering your fifth year of your career. You aren't a veteran. You're not Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or one of these guys who stuck around for 15 years and now you're entering your final years and you become a little more urgent to try to win. And it's odd. It's odd. But I will say Deshaun Watson, obviously a really good quarterback in terms of locations. And we again, we touched on this last week during our live stream, but I don't love the idea of if you have a high pick or a young quarterback, if it's Tua, if you're the Jets and you have the second pick, if you're the Jaguars and you have the first pick, I would draft a quarterback or at least develop my own quarterback if I had a high pick. If I don't have a high pick, then I'm trading for Watson. I say, what? what's it going to take? I'm interested. Deshaun Watson's going to make... He's going to be a $40 million cap hit next year. And as we've covered on this show, I know I'm a little bit of a broken record, but look at what won in the AFC this year, the last four teams standing, all teams with their quarterback making $10 million or less on their rookie deal. Lamar Jackson made $2.5 million this year. Lamar Jackson, obviously a little bit of a lightning in the bottle. Typically a guy in his second or third year does not win the MVP, but Lamar Jackson is a really good quarterback. He's a guy that they draft The Ravens drafted at the end of the first round, and they won with him. They saved a ton of money. Baker Mayfield. Baker's not... I would not consider Baker an elite quarterback or by any stretch of the imagination, but Baker, a guy like Baker, he can get the job done for you. The Browns were not very far from playing in the AFC title game this year with Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. So if you can draft a guy that can play up to the level of what Baker gave and potentially better. So whether it's Tua, whether it's Justin Fields, obviously Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, this is a once in a generation pick. If it's Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, you go down the list of all these quarterbacks. I just don't know if Deshaun Watson is $40 million better than any of them. And perhaps he is, but Hear me when I say this. It's not about the skill. It's the fact that you're going to give up so much draft capital. So you're giving up potentially four or five players who could help you. You could get in the early rounds. The Dolphins have a ton of picks. You can put something around that young guy and build something like what the Browns did this year or the Ravens as they save all this money or the Bills. You're saving a lot of money. You have a lot of cap space. Maximize on that window when you have a young quarterback. Now, in terms of where Deshaun could go, if I'm a team that does not have access to one of those quarterbacks and all I need is a quarterback potentially, then I'm absolutely calling up the Texans. I want to make this trade happen. So I look at Denver Broncos. They've been struggling to find a guy since Peyton retired. San Francisco 49ers, especially now when you look in that division and you have Stafford, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray all in that same division, you're going to want your own guy. Uh, I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is it. The Colts make sense, but they're in the same division, so it's not going to happen. New England Patriots, they need a guy. It's hard for me to imagine them trading a whole lot, though, for Deshaun. I think they might want to draft or get Jimmy Garoppolo. So, and then you got the Chicago Bears who could, (laughs) they passed on him previously when they drafted Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know what this trade market is. I think there are a lot of teams that are going to be inquiring about Watson, but it might be a situation where it's just going to cost too much in terms of cap space and too much draft capital. By the time you get Watson, what else do you have left? Because I'll tell you a secret. Houston Texans had Deshaun Watson this year. They won four games. Just because you have a really good quarterback does not mean you're going to be successful in the National Football League. But we'll we'll keep our eyes open for that, and hopefully it all works out for Deshaun and the Texans. Gordon Wittenmeyer wrote a piece. He covers the Chicago Cubs at the NBC, NBC Sports Chicago, and he wrote a piece on Friday saying that the Cubs were unable to... Resign John Lester. If they don't have enough money, then the, the Ricketts family should sell the team. This is ridiculous. And I very much respect Gordon Wittenmeyer. I'm a fan of his work. But Tom Ricketts should sell the Cubs? Really? Just because they didn't bring back John Lester? There's a very anti-Ricketts sentiment going on right now. And To a certain degree, I understand people who don't like how high the ticket prices are or having to move over and get the marquee network. The Cubs are no longer available on WGN. I get that. That's definitely... And the timing of it all. Not great. I can understand being unhappy with the ownership group right now, but I cannot understand being outraged with them. Tom Ricketts... And the Cubs spent $623 million on Hugh Darvish, John Lester, Jason Hayward, Ben Zobrist, Craig Kimbrell, Brandon Morrow, and Tyler Chatwood. Those seven players, Cubs spent $623 million on them. How are they a cheap organization? They've had a top three highest payroll in the National League the last four years, and they only won one playoff game during that stretch. That was in 2017. I know people are emotional right now. People like to react more emotionally than logically and rationally these days. It's just a social media thing, it seems. But if you look at the body of work and you look at the history and you look at everything that's gone on, the Cubs needed to rebuild. They're going to lose several guys in a year. Core guys. It's, it's time for them to start rebuilding this thing and getting ready for the next run. Personally, I think they could have made a few moves differently over the last few years that they would not have been in this spot. I think there are other ways they could have spent their money and their trade capital, or maybe just hung on to some prospects, and they had some new guys coming through the pipeline right now, but the Cubs haven't really had any young studs come up and make a huge difference, and a lot of teams have. The Cubs need to replenish their farm system. They need to rebuild. It's a it's a strange time, and I think if you recently understand the frustration for the Cubs fans, but do not do not put it all on the Ricketts family. Tom Ricketts, is a good man. Tom Ricketts bought this team, and over the last few years, he would just watch games in the stands and wander around Wrigley Field, take pictures with fans, talk with fans. There are a lot of people who just, I'd hear about, oh yeah, Tom Ricketts came by, and I sat next to him for about 10 minutes, and we talked, and he told me a bunch about what it was like owning a team that he's a fan of and how he got Theo here, and all of this stuff... I understand, look, the Cubs have made some moves here that I can understand why people are frustrated, but to put it all on Tom Ricketts, it is such an overreaction. Look at what the Cubs did just four years ago. They finally won the World Series, and this is coming from someone who's been critical of the Cubs over the last few years. I mean, I've been critical of a lot of their moves, but I think the thing is, with me being critical, it's been me pointing out, look... Here's why I don't think this is going to work. It's not, okay, well, Theo should get fired or Jed Hoyer should get fired because they made this misstep. No, that's not it. That's not how this should go. And I'm tired of people getting outraged all the time and overreacting to stuff all the time. Just just stop with that. I mean, please, please spare me. Please spare me. Please just do me a favor and calm down a little bit. The Cubs didn't bring back John Lester because John Lester was not the same pitcher the last 2 years that he had been early in his career. And I don't think the Cubs owed him anything to be quite honest. The Cubs gave him 130 million dollars, I want to say it was 130, maybe 140 for 6 years, and he helped them win a World Series, finished top 3 in Cy Young voting one year. He did a great job and the Cubs needed him. He was instrumental To win that World Series. But. It's not like you're talking about Max Scherzer. Who at the same time. That same offseason. He signed a big contract. At the same exact time that Lester did. And Scherzer's been a perennial. Top three pitcher in baseball. Every single year. That contract is going to go down. As the best big contract. Ever signed in baseball. I mean really. He has been phenomenal. Lester turned out great just for the world series alone and for a few of those years where lester was really good year one he did okay he didn't do great years five and six not good so this idea that john lester was incredible for six years not not the case it was incredible for a few I mean, I would say the Cubs already gave him his financial reward. He gave him that they gave him that big contract. And Lester, to his credit, he came over to this organization. The Cubs needed him at the time. And it worked out wonderfully for both parties. But John Lester was not a career cub. He wasn't here for his whole career. I think it's gonna be a good thing for Lester to get a chance to go pitch on a contender in Washington. I get it's going to reinvigorate him a little bit, get out there and earn it again, give him a little extra fire and motivation. It doesn't sound like things ended on great terms, I, but I, there's probably, I shouldn't even say probably, there's more to this story that we don't know about, and we'll find out more about it. I don't know what exactly happened here, but John Lester would be the type of guy, if this is his last year, he'd be an awesome guy to bring on to the Cubs coaching staff next year with David Ross. He's a good guy. He's a really good veteran guy to have around, I don't think it's a thing about money. It's not the, the Cubs aren't cheap. They're intentionally rebuilding. They haven't marketed this message particularly well, and they should be upfront and honest about it. But in his place, and they're still figuring out where, you know, who all is going to fit in their rotation, but they just picked up Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams, a couple years ago, was really good with Pittsburgh in 20, 2018, he had one of the lowest ERAs in the National League in the second half. And I thought he was going to be a stud. I was surprised that he struggled as much as he did in 2019. Struggled in 2019, and then last year... Oh man, last year, I it's just so hard to count last year as treated treat it as a regular year. Cubs get Trevor Williams on the cheap on a one-year deal. This is a guy who's pitching to reverse the trajectory of his career get him back to where he was looking a few years ago and if the Cubs are lucky maybe it's a guy that you keep in the long term but I think he's a good guy that you could potentially get squeeze enough out of him in the first half trade him at the deadline get some prospects as they did with Scott Feldman and they got Jake Arrieta in that trade Uh, another example San Diego Padres picking up Drew Pomeranz, a former high pick who showed a lot of promise. I think he made an All-Star game. He made the All-Star team that year with the Padres and they were able to sell him for some prospects to Boston that uh that same year. Or maybe it was a different team. I can't remember. But <laughs> that's what we I mean that's the kind of move that I I think the Cubs should make. I think it's a good move. I think they're putting themselves in a good position here. And They also pick up Jock Peterson on a one-year, $7 million contract to play the outfield. One thing's for sure. They're going to need another outfielder. They're going to need someone who plays every day because they let go of Elmora and Schwarber and Steven Souza Jr. is gone. I don't think Ian Happ should ever play center field, but it looks like they're going to have him in center field this year. We'll see how that goes, I guess, but Jock Peterson... This is a guy that six years ago came up as a rookie, took the league by storm. He was leading the league in homers at one point in his rookie year. And then he did struggle quite a bit. I mean, he's a power bat. He's not a big time contact hitter. He's been uh, really his his numbers mere Schwarber's quite a bit. But unlike Schwarber, Peterson was a platoon player the last several years with the Dodgers. He's a guy that. Never faced left-handed pitchers. And he wanted to get an opportunity to play every day and show teams, hey, I'm worth something. Hit the open market next year, when more teams. Teams are probably going to be willing to spend a little more money then in a year because of uh, they'll get some money back this year, hopefully, with COVID. But, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening. I think this is a good pickup for the Cubs. Jock Peterson also, much much better defensive player than Kyle Schwarber. He's another guy that potentially you sell that bad at the deadline. These are the types of moves the Cubs need to make, and I think people need to chill out with the Cubs. Be patient. Give it give it some time. Relax. I know it's frustrating because the team was good for a long time, but they weren't going to win anything this year, and you got to be realistic about that. They may have made the playoffs, but they weren't going to win a championship, and now they're getting reloaded for the next championship run. We got another news story here with Major League Baseball. Earlier today, this news broke. Tim Brown of Yahoo Sports reporting that on Friday, MLB office presented this idea to the players union, and the union is mulling it over right now. This proposition would start the season late. The season would actually start a month late, and they would only play 154 games. Now, this part of it, this is the first part. There's a second part. First part of this, I'll, I'll slow down right here. I don't mind this at all, to tell the truth. I, ideally, I would love baseball to start on time and run 162 games. But prior to 1961, they only played 154. So I don't think they're messing too much with tradition by going down to 154. I'm just a fan like Joey Votto, I would say. Let's uh, play more games and make more money. <laughs> That's, I just love baseball. I'm happy. and uh, But the the reason why I believe this is happening, owners don't want to lose money. By having games with no fans in attendance, They they're not necessarily losing money. They're going to do better than breaking even, but they are technically losing money because that's a lot of money they would make otherwise by having fans in attendance. And they want to be able to have fans in attendance. It's pretty simple. So it's a little iffy right now in terms of what state governments are going to allow in terms of fans. But I think a lot of people are expecting that by the time we move into April or May, if there's a potential mask mandate through April. And I've also heard, I mean, it, it's it's another thing is that people don't get sick as much when it's not cold outside. This is right now is cold and flu season. So there seems to be an idea and we're also getting that vaccine out to a lot of people that we're going to be in a much better spot to be able to do stuff by that time. And so the major league baseball, I think what they're, they're hoping is they can buy some extra time, get an extra month. And by the time that they get going in late April, early May, then more States, hopefully all States are able to say, yeah, you can have fans and hopefully there are less restrictions on that that there would be had if they were starting in March. Now, if you're a baseball fan, obviously it's a bummer that you'd have to wait a little longer for baseball, but you're really not going to lose a whole lot. It's just eight games less, and I would say it's worth it if we're able to go to baseball games because I need to get to a baseball game pronto. I need to get... Th- I've <laughs> I missed it. I mean, it was rough. 2020 was a rough year. Really rough year, and I, I want to get back to the ballpark. <laughs> Take me out to the ball game now. The second part of this, I don't like, and that's this idea that they want to expand the playoffs. They've been very this is another one of those Manfred things where I just feel like I don't think you're going to enhance the game, I don't think this is going to bring in too many new followers. I guess, technically, to be fair, if more teams are in the playoffs than those local communities and areas, those cities. The fan bases are going to get more into it because they're teams in the playoffs. I understand that. They're also going to make more money by having more playoff games. But I wrote a piece on JackVita.com. You'll be able to read that as I wrote about why I don't like this idea. I think the playoffs should be sacred ground. I think right now, as it stands to have a third of the teams in Major League Baseball make the playoffs, it feels just right. I say we let's hold off on expanding the playoffs until we add two more teams. Let's get two more major league franchises before we add more teams to the playoffs. And then we can have 32 teams, eight divisions, four divisions in each league, follow that NFL model, and then have six teams in each league make the playoffs. That's That's what I would do. That's what I think is best. But hey, Manfred is doing Manfred things, and hopefully... Hopefully they don't go to 8 because the 8-team playoff, I think, is just horrible. Last year, the 29-win Astros were pretty close to getting into the World Series. I did not like that. (laughs) I really don't think a team that wins 29 games and finishes below five hundred should be in the postseason. Finally, did anyone catch the Kansas-Tennessee game? We're talking college basketball here. Little college basketball update for you. Kansas got throttled once again 80 to 61. This time to Tennessee. It was a big win for Tennessee because Tennessee was starting to slide a little bit. Tennessee had previously gotten, uh, they got creamed a couple weeks ago against Florida and they lost to Mizzou a week ago. And then this past week they had a, they bounced back with this win and the win over Mississippi State. Kansas has now lost four of their last five games. They did win that game against TCU earlier in the week. But this is really wild. I mean, Kansas, will. Pro- I think they'll probably still be in the bottom of the top 25. I think they'll still be a ranked team after this week. The Kansas Jayhawks have been so dominant in the Big 12 over the last 20 years. Probably even longer than that. Bill Self has built an incredible program there. But it's pretty wild because we're having a number of teams this year that are really the big blue bloods of college basketball. In fact, if you were to say who, had, who are the best five college basketball programs perennially, at least in the new millennium, these are probably the schools you'd get. Potentially, none of these teams could be ranked after this week if Kansas isn't ranked because they're all having... I, I don't know if I'd say Kansas is because Kansas struggles have been a little newer, uh, but they're all really having down years. Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan state. The four that I mentioned other than Kansas unranked right now, Kansas could be unranked pretty soon. If this, if this keeps going, these struggles are alarming, but I mean, there is plenty of time. We're just entering into the month of February so, you still got it more than a month to get things ready for conference tournaments. And I guess we'll figure out what goes on with conference tournaments this year uh, with bubbles and everything in that nature. But there's still time for these teams to turn around and get into the tournament. But things are not looking very pretty. And conversely, you could take a look at the teams that are at the top of college basketball and this is just showing you how topsy-turvy this sport is especially this year but right now you got gonzaga baylor villanova villanova is a gonzaga and villanova are both teams that have been perennially really good for a long time but they seem to be entering it into that new upper echelon over the last five years or so because villanova's now won two national championships gonzaga Hasn't won one yet, but they're going to soon. Neither of those teams are power five teams, but they are powers in their own right. You got Baylor. You got Michigan at four. And again, these rankings are going to change. Texas, although they lost to uh, Oklahoma, I guess that was, yeah, that was this past week. They were five earlier this week. Houston's having a really good year. Iowa, who lost to Illinois the other night. Iowa, not not a lot of basketball history there. Virginia, they, they've been good for a little while now. Alabama, top ten team, even though they lost Oklahoma. Texas Tech, top ten. This is a this is going to be a really great NCAA tournament. I'm so excited because there are a lot of teams that are moving up and down from all places all over the top twenty five this year, whether it's. Illinois. Um, I guess that's kind of a product of the Big Ten, as teams beat up on each other. They move up and down. Wisconsin's another one of those teams, but we'll see if Kansas can recover. Guys, that's our show for today. How about that? Hope you all enjoyed hearing me uh, ramble on for the last 40 minutes about all of these sports stories. I hope you all are ready to have a great week, a great month of February. We've got a lot coming up on the podcast, so make sure you're subscribed, make sure you are following along, and you, you write a review on Apple Podcasts. I much appreciate it. We have some really great episodes coming up, some big-time guests. Very excited to, uh, to be moving in the month of February. Don't forget... We have uh, Major League Baseball spring training, although now <laughs> we might be having to delay our MLB preview pods if we delay the season, so we'll keep an eye on that, but thank you all for listening, thank you to those who have donated on my website thank you to everyone who's sharing the show with your friends much appreciate it. until Wednesday's live stream I'm Jack Vita bring in the dancing lobsters